Welcome back, everybody, to We Are TPM with myself, Kyle Teixeira. Sitting across from me, as usual, is the big old John Teixeira. We are here this week to talk about evictions post-COVID. If you like anything we talk about, want to give us a call, hire us to evict somebody, or do anything else on the phone call, give us a call, 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com. Let's get into evictions post-COVID. I wanted to talk about evictions post-COVID, but first I need to address that introduction. I'm sitting (laughs) next to you, not across from you. And why do I have to be big old John Teixeira? (laughs) Uh, Why can't I I just be like normal size John Teixeira? I mean, I realize I'm, you know. I I meant like a big deal. Lose a few. Oh, okay. All right. I got it. Now, now. Like the big deal. That helps my ego a lot. I like it. Thank you. It's kind of a big deal. All right. Post, post. So why are we doing this? We, the last time we did evictions was right in the middle of COVID and it was strange. And there was, um, there was a lot of things different. We were doing rent relief. We were doing timelines were different. Courts were acting different. Everybody was trying to figure out We were restricted a new world. from evictions and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so how are we back to normal, Kyle? There's a new normal. A new know? normal. It seems that that's that's kind of why we're discussing mm. it. It's a new normal, and this is this is more of a. I guess we we can't really avoid this being more of a Homer conversation of of our market here in DFW because eviction rules and changes and everything is different gonna, everywhere. It's yep. going to vary post COVID a lot um, as you go through the country, but. Um, uh, I, we're we're talking about Texas here and Tarrant County, Dallas County, all this, which you would think is because it's in Texas, it's more on the conservative side, and it's been uh, there's definitely been changes. So I, I'd say uh, it's been an interesting thing to see um, the relief, COVID relief, COVID restrictions, COVID nineteen restrictions still being applied to eviction laws here in Texas in twenty twenty three. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, to go to take it back to COVID, to give us some context, during COVID, it's like we had two worlds in our market, isn't it? Um, we're in a market of kind of two big counties. There's other counties, but, but most of our market is in two big counties, Dallas County and Tarrant County, which basically is like, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth, right? Pretty much. And they both operated... In extremely polar opposites, like the federal government came down and said, you do this. Tarrant County practically ignored what the federal government told them to do. Dallas County went in the opposite direction and and went overboard with a 21 day thing and and all kinds of stuff happened. So, well, and, and to be fair, that's the city of Dallas. That yeah. That. Um, while there's Dallas County and they apply the rules, there's more happened in the city of Dallas where, yep. yeah, they, That's like true. you said, there's a 21 day notice to let the tenant know that they're going to be. Told, That's gone now, right? No, it's, it's not gone. It's, it was reduced. It's still there. Last month, this month, actually, to a 10 day notice. Okay. Um, and it's not a notice to vacate, it's a notice of. You know, intent to evict and that there's it's help like out there notice. and to try and to try to make a payment arrangement, all the things your lease already says. Um, so so let's talk about that, how we do things versus what has to be done, because this is kind of the first step of the process, right, when you're mm-hmm. doing an eviction. So it's been our policy 
as a matter of principle, I think, just as a matter of our standard operating procedures on how we want to run our business with our tenants to give them what we call a three-day pay or quit. It's kind of what the notice to vacate used to be back in the day. Um, and so it's basically a notice that says, hey, you know, we're giving you three three more days to pay or, or we're going to take the next step. Mm-hmm. And that next step is the notice to vacate, which is what the court is the only notice that the court requires and asks you to prove in court when you're in court. And I point that out because the 10-day Dallas notice that you just mentioned is kind of like that, right? It's kind of like an extension of that just longer, right? It's kind of like that first notice that we choose to give. Yeah, because the the three-day notice is is a property code. You know, it has to be done. It's part of property code um, to follow the property code's procedure. So they're kind of putting a notice in front of that is what they're doing. They're saying, well, yeah, you still have to do that one legally, um, but we're going to make sure that you have to do this one before you even do that one. When you say it's property code, you're referring to the notice to vacate. Yes. Yeah. 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 Notice to vacate is in the property code. The property code specifies the specific ways that you have to um, serve notices and do things in order to properly file and execute and get judgment for eviction. All right. So we got into the weeds a little bit here yeah, right off did. the bat. Yeah, we did. Let's let's kind of give everyone an overview. How does the eviction – what does the eviction process look, look like? We, 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 give this, we give this notice. In our case, we give two notices – Okay. There's a lot of timelines, yeah. Well, yeah, like three-day pay or quit, that's not a property code notice, like you said. Um, three-day pay or quit. Uh, so all you have to do is give a three-day notice to vacate. Um, and it needs to say, in words, notice to vacate on it. That's the only restriction. There's, there's now, I think, after COVID, we finally have a standardized one from the state of Texas that you can use. But it doesn't have to be used. Like it just has to have a date of delivery, three day, three days. Um, there's a specific manner. The property code says that you have to deliver these notices. Like you have to hand it to them. You got to post it to the inside of the door. You, if you post it on the outside, you have to mail it by 5 p.m. Um, you can certify mail it. You know these things have to be done specifically and in the right timeline because um, there are technicalities that get cases thrown out has to be written important documents on it if you leave it on the outside yep. of the door yep in an envelope um yep. you know and the, you know the tenants out there have probably uh, we've had tenants to get uh, have literally claimed that those notices are harassment knowing that the eviction's coming and that that's all been uh, communicated and they're okay with it but they see the the notices as harassment because it embarrasses them and we all the time have to explain that you know we legally have to do that, you know. I'd prefer not to have, not to have to do that, but you know, because you could email them or text it to them, you know, and, and get confirmation that they got it, and it would save everybody a lot. Of- Can you do that? Will a judge? Have you ever asked a judge if they will accept that? If you send it by email and they respond received, would that be legal notice? No, and of course, judges, as we have seen, can can they all can make their own decisions to a certain degree under the law, right? Yep. Um, but no, it's the, the the 
the method of delivery is specified in property code. Like you can put that in your leases. Um, you could try to get away with that, that has in your lease that this method of delivery supersedes the requirements of property code and tenant signs off on it. Sure. Um, I'm not even saying that's not valid. I, but I would argue that you can't walk into every courtroom in with absolute certainty that a judge is going to accept yep. that, you know, yep. um, and every judge is different. You know, in Tarrant County, we got seven precincts. Yep. Um, they all operate they, different. They all operate differently. Mm -hmm. And I know what I know what I'm getting from experience based on which judge I'm going in front of. But the, unless uh, there's a fill in judge. Yeah, unless there's a fill in judge. But even even, you know, they all operate differently. That's why. Yep. But one thing that doesn't change is the required process. So if you follow that, follow that required process, you seem to be, in general, you're doing pretty, you should be okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think to your point, just do, you know, just follow the letter of the law and, and, and you're good. I think we email those out, not as, not to, to give legal notice, but as a courtesy so that they get it as fast as possible. So we email all of our notices in addition to delivering them the way they're, they want them delivered mm -hmm. by the by the letter of the law. Well, we started this as eviction post-COVID, and kind of the mindset behind that is is because of how much COVID changed, not just the eviction process itself, but the... The, the mindset. The, the mindset think, and the, the bringing of evictions. So during COVID, this is what a lot of people don't realize unless you were really a property manager or property owner um, or tenant sometimes. Uh, during COVID, we started having to file evictions on tenants for their own good. It was the weirdest thing ever. We were being asked to file evictions. We were being... Uh, we were using the eviction process Rent to help people asking us to do because it. yeah because you couldn't get all these assistance programs or even start the process unless you were under eviction so or, you, or people you, that needed assistance were like all right well then I need to, you need to start the eviction process against us right or um, they were so inundated I think mostly Kyle to your point it's not that you had to do it to start it but they were so inundated that they would put those evictions in first in line so if these people wanted to get the assistance that had to be under eviction well, when it became part of the game you know we had because we had a moratorium you know those those evictions weren't actually going to finish being executed you know we weren't going to get judgment because we couldn't get judgment until that until that expired which during covid was like a year and a half later um but even after that expired it still became this process i mean we've we've said we thought that this would change for assistance programs. Assistance programs, at least here, just stopped like two or three months ago. Yeah. I think it was big, little mid-summers when they finally ran out. And that's, who's telling if they, you know, renew those again? They've done it like five times. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's where it's became... Like all these courts, I've never seen them so busy with eviction cases. There's a full docket every morning. They got afternoon dockets. I went to a night court... Um, a couple weeks ago, I'd never been to night court. We literally had court eviction court at 6 p.m. Um, it's like we're, I don't know, it was, it was well, different. Okay, so I know we still need to get into the rest of the process, I guess. But but what do you make of that, Kyle? Because I was sitting here thinking how previous to COVID, we're, we're, we're trying to do post-COVID, right? Previous to COVID, we probably did less than five evictions a year. And now we're doing 
two to five a month. Yeah, and and you know maybe filing two to five a month. Um, yeah, they don't all come to fruition. And, we'll, and we'll you know, there's a that, huge range of what people that get worked with and don't. You know, yeah. with property managers. I mean, I, we, while we're in eviction court, commonly, I still think it's probably two to five, maybe maybe a little more that actually get lose possession of their home or forced to give up possession of their home, you know, um, because again, this is part of the process. So, so let's go through the process. Let's go through the process and see if we can help people be prepared for the eviction process. Okay. Um, so we've given them notice and let's assume through this process that you're not getting payment, but yet you're trying because you and I were constantly trying through this entire process to get payment because that's the goal. Order, the goal is yeah, not to, to make throw a somebody arrangement or something. Yeah. The goal is never to throw anybody out on the street. That is just the instrument we're using to get ultimately what we're what we're trying to achieve, which is getting payment. Because you're enforcing a contract, and at the end of the day, if you can't get, you know, there's there's different cases, but if you can't get communication out of the other party. I guess most of the time when we're in eviction, file evictions or go to evictions is because of lack of communication. It's unresponsive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yep. you don't have a payment plan. You either haven't even communicated with us, something like that. So it's, it's like you said, it's part of the process. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, okay. So we've given notice. We okay. go to the courthouse. We file. We don't actually don't even have to go to the courthouse all the time anymore, post COVID now. So one best thing COVID did for the evic- <laughs> for evictions is is e filing. E filing. <laughs> it's not because it didn't exist before. They it, it was something they so didn't really allow. So. I'll tell you this: it takes longer depending on the court that you're with. Each court is different. So I, I'll tell you this: I have a couple different experiences. One, if I wanted to go to the court that's nearest us. It is about a quarter of a mile away. And when you walk in there and get stuff done, it's extremely easy to get stuff done with the clerk. They all know what they're doing. They're pretty efficient. I could probably get up off of my desk, drive to that courtroom, walk upstairs, go to that clerk, file that eviction, give her my money, and leave in about the same amount of time or maybe less than it takes me to e-file it because it takes a good... 20 to 30 minutes, they they make you jump through all these hoops. That's not true with every courtroom. I've been to other courtrooms where uh, I'm, I'm thinking of another court in Arlington where they go th- run you through this whole rigmarole and they, they have three people review it and it's just ridiculous. You're standing there for 30 minutes while you're waiting just to, to file something that you've, you've done hundreds of times. You know how to do this and they act like, <laughs> they act like, you know, so... It, it, every court is going to be different because they all operate differently. But the yeah. point being, the e-filing is easier because you don't have to get up off your desk. But it's not always easier. I mean, sometimes if you're doing this on a regular basis, it's easier to go look at people face to face and get things done. Yeah, they all operate differently. But you know, like I've just one that, that how much takes does that cost? Three hours when I got to go file. One hundred twenty-six dollars, right? I think it's it's seventy-five bucks to file and then another. Fifty dollars to serve every adult on the lease, something like that. So, so one hundred twenty-six dollars. No, but one hundred thirty something, one hundred thirty-three. <laughs> I wasn't too far off. I think I said I think it's one hundred twenty-six dollars because that's what I that's what I recall well, seeing all the time. But I mean, we're to be very specific. 
we're talking about Tarrant County here for the most part. Yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the process we're going to talk about in Tarrant County so yep. that it applies. Because um, after that notice you file, you know, you have to wait till after the notice expires to file that. And, and then the court's going to give you a hearing within 30 days. Even notice we've gone to the courtroom filed. Um, the whole time now we are still trying to make arrangements and still trying to communicate with our tenant, hopefully. If you're not doing that, you should be. Again, don't use this as a means. I mean, use this as a means to get collection. Um, I've gone to... Yeah, because eviction sucks. Nobody wants yeah, it's to not, be evicted. We don't want to evict anybody. I mean... Exactly. We usually, don't want to be there. So, How many times have you had the court, the judge tell have you how many times have you heard a judge say that to one of our tenants in the courtroom that i know these people and i know that they don't want to be here and they're only here because you forced them to be here yeah yeah i mean yeah you sometimes get props for it but i mean that's not really what you're looking for right they just know here's someone who work willing to work with people um you know when you're resetting cases or trying to because all this stuff has effects on the tenant right um, when you file an eviction, when you when you win an eviction, you get a judgment. Um, that judgment is on the record, right? Next, other landlords and stuff are going to see that. So there's ways to get those removed or released, and you know if, if you get them paid. That's why communication and everything we say, communication is so key. Yeah. Um, because without it, you have nothing. Yep. <laughs> you have no money and you have no information. So so what do we got to do to prepare for court? We got court coming up. We have a court on a certain date coming up. And what, what do we need to prepare for? You need a copy of the lease. You need a copy of the notice to vacate. You need a military status affidavit that says that they are not active duty in the military because... Well, this never occurs, a little loophole in property code is you can't evict active duty military. So if they're on orders and not home or deployed. Um, so you need those things. And that's pretty much it. You, know, you don't need a whole lot more than that. You need to know uh, lived up back rent. So they only give you judgments for not all fees and any of that stuff. They give you judgments for back rent lived up through the day of court today i was in eviction court and it's a lot easier when you're on the last day of the month to figure (laughs) that out it's the whole month but if it was the third or something you you have to prorate three days of that month and then however far back they go it doesn't matter when the when it was due the court only cares about lived up rent and court fees they add the court fees also so the 124 dollars or something whatever that is you can request attorney's fees i did hear the biggest request for attorney's fees that i i've heard Actually, today I didn't even tell you they asked for fifteen hundred dollars in attorney's fees for that twenty minutes they were in court. The judge he he awarded them seven fifty after laughing at them a little bit. So. <laughs> that's funny. Wow. So, so yeah. that's that's our value. And then you get the judgment has interest, right? So when interest rates are high, you currently on any judgment that you get, you get I think it's eight and a half percent right now. Um, it, interest. You didn't know that? You're looking at me like you didn't know that. I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> you collect interest. Oh, okay. I yeah, see what so you mean. They award interest you interest. Accrues. Yes, okay. They Got award it. you interest. So if the if tenant doesn't, if that judgment doesn't get paid for six months, you can tack on interest. Not saying that. But happens. you have to refile it probably in order to do that. And yeah. I got it. <laughs> I got it. So. All right, so now you're you're prepared. You're in the court. Well, let's get back to preparation a little bit because one of the keys to court is this. 
you said it earlier, the judge is there to enforce a contract. So she's there, he or she is there to help you enforce a contract by way, by how it's written and by property code, right? And so people walk into court with all kinds of emotion and they don't, they lose sight of why they're there. You are there for eviction. The plaintiff, you and I, are there to attain possession of the home and a judgment for past rent, period. That's all we're there to do. The tenant is there to make a case why they should retain possession and maybe not get a judgment, right? That is all that they're there to do. Mm -hmm. Judges cannot stand when the tenants come to the table and all they want to talk about is how they were treated by this tenant, how they're, how they're didn't do repairs, how maybe they're racist. Maybe they're all these things that tenants come to a, they jump to a lot of conclusions they make and they bring a lot of emotion to the courtroom. And that's not why you're there. So it's important to know why you're there and to make your case appropriately. Yeah. I don't think any, I think every judge, uh, in these cases repeats it repeatedly and gets very frustrated repeating it because people still talk about the repairs. You know, it's always repairs or conditions or, or something in the house. And there's two parties here, right? There's two parties to this contract. There's the landlord and there's the tenant. The landlord has the ability to file an eviction for non-payment of rent and it be about an eviction for non-payment of rent. The tenant has the ability to file a repair and remedies case, and it be about repair and remedies and why you're not paying rent in due a, to repair and remedies. In the civil court. In yeah. a civil court, same court, same action, you know, similar actions, um, but they never do that. Um, they think that they can do it there at eviction That court. it applies there, yeah, and it doesn't. And, it doesn't. and the judge, even if the judge agrees with your points, they are... You know, an elected official to do a job. They're there to enforce the law of of a lease, right? Like the one ju judge I knew you were probably talking about. The way she handles her courts when they are contested is is interesting because it's it makes it very clear what it's about. She asks the landlord, the plaintiff, three questions. She says, "Do you have a valid lease with this person, and is it properly named?" Um, Did you deliver notice to vacate on so and so date, and was it delivered? you know, properly and, you know, how much of this rent is out, right? Those three questions are the three que things up for question. And that's reality. what you need to be prepared to answer. Yeah, exactly. And answer and prove. Um, and by the way, there is a fourth that she has brought up before. If it gets contested, it's, it never gets contested. So you don't have to prove it. But the fourth point is ownership. If you have the right to even sign a lease with this person, right. but that would be a very, this is a very rare case that ever gets addressed. Um, so really those three and the tenant basically answers, she asks the tenant is, are their records correct? You know, are those three things correct? Because Cause if is. they are, then that's the only issue. That's the only issue. Yeah. And so, so, okay. So if you take those three things that you just point out, that is also, that is also how you want to prepare your case. If, a judge, like I'm thinking about another judge, you know who I'm talking about, who will stay, oh, say, okay, you stand up there, plaintiff's there, um, and uh, the tenant's there, and he just looks at you and says, okay, state your case. That's how we present our case here. I'm 
you know, get legal advice wherever you're at. <laughs> well, you're there for to, to retain possession and non-payment of rent mm-hmm. is kind of where you begin that. And then you state those those facts like as you presented them. We presented notice to vacate on such and such date, and this is how we did it. Here's We have a lease, um, you know, executed on such and such date for this amount per month, and this is the amount owed to this date, period. That's all the judge wants to hear. Yeah, and then, you know, so I think it's, it's – there's always timelines that tenants don't know, right? Um, and one of the most common one is what happens afterwards. They get uh, five days. That's right? what I thought was going to be interesting to uh, – yes. Yes. You I think get, afterwards is the most interesting part of all this. Yeah, and it's, you know, knowledge is power, um, but – you get they get five days right so when the eviction judgment happens you get five five days and you got to be out by five days um, nothing past that judgment happens until the plaintiff takes more action so um, <clears throat> that fifth day isn't the day a constable is going to show up but you don't get red tagged um, that fifth day is the last day that you have basically the legal right to willingly leave um, that's on that sixth day that the landlord or the plaintiff can come in and say, I need a writ of possession, which is a request for the constable to go um, assist a, you know, regaining possession of that home. So if you're doing a possession, uh, an eviction, and you've never done one before, you need to know that walking out of that courtroom doesn't accomplish what you want to accomplish. It only gives you the legal right to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Getting a constable there to actually, hopefully you don't have to, but forcibly drag somebody out of their home is what you need, and you're not going to get that done without that judgment in the courtroom. Now the constable has the ability when you file that writ of possession to, to help you. Yeah. And one of the biggest timelines on still working with people, because obviously, you know, at least in what we do, we're trying to collect payment and don't want people to be removed from their home. Um, if we can, there's timelines after this. So my judgment for possession, um, and this is where it gets a little different. You got a judgment for possession and money. Um, my judgment for possession is good for 60 days. For 60 days, I can come into that courtroom or co- come back to that court and ask for that writ of possession. Actually, you just go to the constable's office. Oh, yeah, Don't you, you gotta, just file it there? No, you give it, you file it through the clerk. Clerk verifies your judgment and sends yeah, it to yeah. the constable. But yeah. it, regardless... Um, there is a 60-day period, so they don't have to do it on that sixth day. They can do it all the way up to the 60th day. They can even request an extra 30 days from the court. So there's a 90-day period, you know, at least here, at least here in Tarrant County, there's a 90-day period after the judgment and eviction that you could use, um, you know, whatever way you want. So. so depending on where you are, that's what you want to ask is, how long do I have to file a writ of possession in my county or in my state or whatever that is? Because that's an interesting timeline that we use a lot to continue that collection process. Again, we talked about how this is not something where we're trying to get somebody out on the street. We're trying to accomplish getting their balance caught up. If we can do that in that 60-day period of time, and we can come to some agreement because now we're talking to the tenant and now well, they realize we're open to it. Yeah. And it's like we're enforcing a contract. If we didn't enforce that contract, we'd be breaking our own contract. 
you know, we were contracted by the owners, right. um, and we have a, a contractual obligation to follow this process through. Um, so knowing the timelines and the process mm-hmm. and all that is, is so important in, in us being able to effectively do what we need to do mm-hmm. right? or do that process for our clients when we need to. Ideally, you don't want to do that. So <laughs> and we more often than not uh, avoid it. Um, but it has changed a lot post-COVID, so I think that's important. And um you know, some of these relief plans, when they ended, you know, evictions became a lot more um, commonplace uh, when when you're – it was surprising to me, at least, to see some people get their rent paid for for an entire year, and the second that ran out um, – they didn't have any we'd money. Have, we'd have to go to eviction court <laughs> the month after that. They got so. free rent for a year, and somehow they don't have any money. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, that's. I'm just saying that that is the the shift that happened. And then when when you have floods of evictions and move outs, and then you have floods of people moving yeah. into new places, and then you know, and then the economy goes the way it's going, and things get expensive. You know, uh, these things become more common. So is. It's definitely changed. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk a little bit real quickly about. I don't want to go into this too much because it's actually kind of heartbreaking. But, but oh yeah, it is the moment it's... that we have to force somebody out. We file that writ of possession. They're refusing to leave, and we need possession of the home. This is the, probably the single worst thing that we do. Unfortunately, we don't have to do it very often. It's yeah. the thing we look forward to in our job the absolute least. It's the worst part of our job, for sure. I mean, it, but it is it is a part of our job at the end of the day. Yep. But it's also why we try to make it more human, at least on our side. I get I get a lot of—I talk to other property managers who are like, you go to court yourself? I, I can't stand that. I send a lawyer, and I'm like, I go to court myself so that this isn't just more crossing I's and dot and T's. You know, like, it— it <laughs> You know, so that it's we not, we have a hand in the in the in the worst part of what we do, so that yeah. it doesn't get and it at least gets done to the best that it can be done. Is, you don't need an attorney to do. What what is it? Seven hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> if we got paid seven hundred fifty dollars for each one, that'd be great. But we get what? Nothing. That, the person was taking fifteen hundred. So I mean. It was, it was more than the judgment that they got for rent. It was impressive. I say nothing. <laughs> it's part of what our clients, we choose to make it part of what our clients pay us for. Mm-hmm. So, Do you want to beat up evictions anymore? We don't like them, but no, they have we don't, changed. We don't like them. Post-COVID. We were, we were going to talk about force outs. And, 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 oh, yeah. And so that's yeah, the road we're going down. So basically the, that's, that's how evictions go when you have to take constables. They show up and... You set an appointment with the constable, they they post and and let the, they think they let them know 24 hours before that I'm coming back at Mm -hmm. 10 a.m. tomorrow. And then the constable comes back and he stands there and he supervises while we literally take contents out on the street Mm -hmm. and put them on the sidewalk, usually where the constable tells us to put them. He usually helps manage that process and he'll say, he'll walk in and say, well, the house is clear. It's all yours. Or he'll say, okay, we need to pull all this stuff out and, and put it here. And, and then, you know, we usually have a crew there that's ready to go and our handyman there rekeying the locks. And, um, and he usually has gives us about an hour to do it. I think one time we needed two that full hour. Is it two, two? hours? Yeah. yeah. 
much. Yeah, so so the constable constable helps us, guides us through all that, and he basically stands there and helps us and protects us. And sometimes we've had instances where the tenants show up in the middle of it and causes a big issue. And man, I've been thankful the constable's there sometimes. And and it's just a horrible experience to take somebody else's contents and put them on the street. It makes you shake your head at why they allowed this to happen. But they did, and here you are doing it, and goodness gracious, if you're ever a tenant, take the eviction process seriously, and don't don't make somebody else have to put your stuff out on the street, and it's a, it's a horrible, heartbreaking process. And then it has to stay there for 24 hours, so if it rains, <laughs> it's raining all over their stuff, all day, all night, or until they get it. Yeah, there was one time I, I, I even asked the constable, I'm like, can we just, because it, it was a weird weather day, and we were like, can we just, like, load all this into a moving truck for them, you know, and, you know, wh- whatever, and we couldn't do that. Like, we legally had to leave it. I think one time he let us put it under a carport behind the home because there wasn't a good place in front of the home to yeah. put it, and, and there was a carport there, so we were able to do that. It's just weird because, you know, at the end of the day, it, whether either party, whatever side you're on, these laws are very specific. Property code's very specific. It doesn't leave much room for vagueness. <clears throat> That's why this process is how it is, right? So the constable has to do the same thing. They have to do it in a very specific way. But the constable is going to want to make sure if you ever have to do one of these setouts, he's going to want to make sure that you have enough people there to do it and that you have somebody there to to change the lock. And we've even seen them have to literally not kick in a door, but they use one of those ramming devices to to open up a door. Well, that um, was interesting because they brought marshals because the person that was evicted had a warrant so they were they were like oh they, when we when we put in the request for a constable to come they were like they brought the marshals with them so that they could get their execute their warrant it was weird it was very weird so hmm. um luckily the tenant luckily for them tenant didn't show up until about you know two minutes after the marshals gave up waiting and left so <laughs> it, was, Wild. it was a weird process but but you know this this all comes regardless if you're if you know that possession is going to be regained. There's nothing more valuable than voluntarily giving it up or communicating that you're going to volunteer. I mean, you will you you could buy yourself a di- couple days oh, if yeah. you tell the landlord that you're voluntarily. If doing you called this. us and said, "Hey, I can't get. I've got a moving truck that can come Thursday. I can't get out by tomorrow, but he's coming at 8 a.m. on Thursday." I would rather wait one more day to see if that comes to fruition than to show up on Wednesday and put your stuff out. So yeah. just call and ask. Well, in the and the one there's one judge that that makes this known, but a good move out, good move out by property code can be done prior to eviction court. Um, and it's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see tenants make is they show up to court and they're like, "I moved out, um, I've moved out, they can have it back." You know, let's not have this eviction on my record. There's and these judges tell them there's like one thing you you could have you given them the keys and surrendered the property before that court starts. You know that your that eviction get has to get dismissed. That's that's part of the rule. If it's been given back, you can't have uh, you know a case for for possession. So, but it has to be given back properly. So that's they're, they're always like, well, I've left, and then it's like, well, unless you gave them keys back and gave them this property back, it can't be. So you could say that 
okay, do you expect tenants to know all this, all these little details on the law? But I would say to that, no, you don't expect everyone to know these, these things, or maybe even, maybe even it's difficult to go learn it all. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. It's not, but, but let's say it is. Isn't it some common courtesy and common sense on what you do to give somebody's home back to hand them the keys and say, here, I cleaned it. It's ready to go. It's the way you gave it to me. Just the point is have some human courtesy for somebody else's property. Really is what it comes. That's the law really correlates really well with that. Well, do yourself some favors. And, you know, if if you got to leave and the situation's not good, um, you know, at least avoid the eviction judgment on your record and the eviction going through if you can. So um, give it back. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about replacement tenants. We've had lots of people do that before and and that's a different podcast that we've done. And, and um, you can do that. You can, you can make arrangements with your, with your landlord. And we've never had to set out or actually, actually execute an eviction on anybody who was communicating with us. I've thought about it before this. I thought back and I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's never been someone who was, it's always been someone who was completely not communicating with us. Maybe the only communication I had with them was when they were in court yelling about stuff that I didn't understand. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I'm trying to think back on them all, but <clears throat> unfortunately, I hate that we have the experience that we have. But you but know I what? remember every one because, it's, <clears throat> like you said, it's not what anyone wants to do. So. Yep, yep. But I think we're good on this, right? You know, you got any you got any questions on? Uh, I think we hit. I think COVID? we hit evok- evictions post COVID pretty good. Yeah. Hopefully, you don't have to do one. <laughs> and if you do, maybe you should have a great property manager who knows exactly how to do it for you. Because the process is important. Yes, sir. Stages are important. And if you want to know how important or get it done, give us a call eight one seven eight one eight nine zero three nine. Shoot us an email at show me the money at wertpm dot com, and we are out.